podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Basketball's coming to town, basketball's coming to town, basketball's coming to town. Scott's making a list, Grant's checking it twice, they're gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Basketball's coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Hey, we're back. It's the Bosco's Boys, and we got a special guest today. You guys all know him. Um, I'm sure you've heard of him at least before. He's been on our show before. He's officially a recurring guest. It's Derek Young from KSA Online. Hi, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Finally in person, which is crazy because we've been in person with Matt twice, even though he lives in Manhattan, and you're right here in Kansas City. Right under our nose the entire time. Well, that just reminds me. You owe me a beer. I, I still <laughs> do owe you a beer. And I'm stuck in Johnson County a little bit away, so. Well, welcome to our uh, humble abode. We're at Double Shift Brewery. We're back in here, super festive with the Christmas trees. But before we get into our beers of the pod, we need to talk to you about our friends at MyBookie. I'm not going to go through the entire ad because, well, you guys know the drill. Use Boys 25, you get a 50% bonus match up to $1,000. You guys are winning a ton of money, and, well, I got nothing else. Play the parlays, follow them on Twitter, and that is the ad read for them. We're going to do Beer the Pod since we're in the house. I have Belschnickels. Wait, what was it? Switch. Switch. That's what I'm not going to say switch. what I said earlier. A delicious barley wine. Uh, Grant, what do you have? I have Cabin Creature. It's uh, We talked about it on one of the pods before where it's got like the – it's a, basically like a cocoa stout. I don't know. I can't read the dirt. I can't read it all from here, but it's pretty good. And Derek, do you remember what I ordered for you? Uh, just the loon. Yeah, the chicory uh, <laughs> saison that was a beer of the pot earlier. Um, so welcome. We'll try to get this going because we know you're going to be driving up to Manhattan when all the boneheads are listening to it. It is the first day of the early signing period. We are going to talk a lot of recruiting, but we got some other stuff in there. Again, I'm sure you'll find ways to plug it, but if you guys want even more. You go ahead. You just start, okay. start her off. That's fine. Hey, if you guys want even more, Derek Young, head over to KSO. They're our friends. Tell your friends. Got a great special going. So we're going to dive right into it. Early signing period starts December 19th, runs through the 21st. That hasn't left Coach Kleiman a lot of time to build this class. What has he been able to do over the short period of time to attract some new recruits and hold on to the ones who have already signed up? Well, verbalized up. Yeah, well, first he had his, obviously his introductory press conference, and soon after that he hit the phones, and he was calling most of the commits trying to shore those up, and then that was right before he went back to Fargo, of course, to coach in the FCS semifinal, and after that, 
He flew straight into Kansas City for an in-home visit with uh, Clyde Price at North Kansas City. And they, I don't know if they flew from Kansas City to Lawrence or drove to Lawrence, but then he, he met with the Free State duo of Keenan Garber and Jack Stanine. Then they flew to Louisiana. This is all on the same day. And he met with Tyrone Lewis, a defensive back out of Hammond, Louisiana. Um, and Mississippi State commit and Gregory Brooks, another defensive back there. And then a Tulane running back commit, Ty J. Spears. And they've since offered him. They didn't offer him on Saturday night during that in-home visit, but they did a couple days later. I feel like that's more in-homes than Snyder's done his entire career. Yeah. Honestly. At least in 2.0. Maybe 2.0. Definitely more. Last year he did one, I believe, with linebacker Will Honus, who ended up in Nebraska. And before that, I think the last one was Zach Shackelford, who ended up flipping to Texas. That's absurd. <laughs> that's I mean, a very bad record for Bill. It's a breath of, a breath of fresh air, though, to see that. Climbing putting in work, which is like <laughs> – I don't know how different that is from other Power 5 schools. It kind of seems like it's probably the norm, but he obviously has to play a lot of catch-up. So as we record today, K-State has 12 verbal commits. At least it was when I wrote this. Is it still 12 verbal? I think. I think, <laughs> I think it's 12. So where current scholarship numbers sit, how many could they take in this class? They could take an upwards of what well, well, current scholarship numbers would, would dictate. They can take 21, I think, at the end of the day. We anticipate probably a little bit more attrition to where if they wanted to end up taking upwards of 24, 25, they would have the freedom to do that. And they might get close to that number once the later signing period arrives in February. I think that number actually might be 20 now that they can take uh, full because they just received a transfer for New Mexico and uh, safety Marcus Hayes. And although he has to sit out a year, he goes on scholarship right away. So we have 12 of those guys that are currently verbally committed, and out of the guys that he is also still going after, how many signatures are you guys anticipating uh, to hit pen to paper? And then I think they still use fax machines. The only thing fax machines are still used for uh, over this early signing period. Yeah, I don't know if it's true. I haven't been able to confirm myself. I actually haven't done a whole lot of digging on that. But there's a, there's a chance, I guess, this year you could take a text or a picture of your uh, signed national letter and text it in somewhere, and then it's done. So R.I.P. fax machines. So <laughs> Those things are going out of business now. Yeah, so there's a chance that they, the fax machines will be going out of business as of, well, maybe today. But uh, I think 11 of those 12 commits will sign on Wednesday. The only one that I don't think of the commits that will sign is linebacker Gavin Potter out of Oklahoma. I don't think he's going to sign anywhere else. I think he's just going to hold off until February and kind of get a better lay of the land in terms of, making a choice and it's probably the right thing to do for him if he, you know he's positive that those opportunities won't go elsewhere um, there's been some rumors maybe Keenan Garber won't sign this period but I, I think that he will I've been talking to his parents and I would be surprised at least you know I think it's about almost five o'clock here on Tuesday that I would be surprised at this point if he did not sign tomorrow obviously that can change but I think K-State gets him tomorrow uh, in terms of other prospects I think they're going to add a one, maybe two, have an outside shot of three. So at the most, I can see them signing 15 on Wednesday, but it might be 13 or 14. Which of the guys has Coach Kleiman had to battle the most to keep committed? Well, probably Keenan Garber. And I don't know if that one's 100% wrapped up. I think KU kind of conceded, but you never know until, you know, he signs, you know. And that actually – you know, mails in, faxes, texting, that national letter of intent. Yeah. Gavin Potter's another one. He's not signing this uh, 
this Wednesday. So obviously he's going to go into the later periods. Yahweh Judy, the linebacker out of Florida, uh, he's obviously been committed I think since June or July. He visited Iowa this past weekend, so that one's kind of up in the air. I think he's telling people what they want to hear at this point, but I would be surprised if K-State wasn't the choice. Uh, the Juco receiver is Khalil McLean out of, I think, Hutchinson, if I remember yep. right, Hutchinson Community College. I think he so. He visited KU last weekend. I think K-State's going to hold on to that one too. Are there any guys currently on the commit list that are – um, you know, more at risk to end up or to not end up at K-State, you know, for whatever reason? I don't see anything. I mean, unless Yahweh Judy situation changes or the Keenan Garber situation changes, I, I really don't think so. I think there are going to be very little surprises tomorrow. I guess Gavin Potter, since he's waiting. You mentioned it a couple times in your statement, and it's been all over social media, all over message boards. Even talk show radio in Kansas City has touched on it. Les Miles really tried to go after a handful of K-State commits and some other guys we had been recruiting, and Kleiman's gone head-to-head with them. Who has gotten the best of those battles? It sounds like Chris Kleiman, and long-term, do you think Kleiman will be able to you know, keep that upper hand, or do you think that's going to even out over time? What do you think that recruiting dynamic, not only in the state but region, is going to look like? For one reason or another, Kleiman might shut Les Miles out in terms of their head-to-head battles. I, I do not see them losing anyone that they really, really want to KU right now. Could change in the next 24 hours. That's that's how recruiting is. Nope. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Because we're recruiting this, we can't have it change. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I really I really don't think so. Uh, they, they've, there's been some highly contested battles, but I think Clyde's going to come out on top. Now, moving forward – that's hard to project because Les Miles is going to have those relationships build up again. And but so will head coach Chris Kleiman, and he's been more of a mainstay in Kansas City. He's recruited the Metro before Les Miles has not. So Kleiman probably has the advantage, you know, just because of that. Uh, but, I mean, we'll see. it. Uh, the coaching staff will dictate a lot of that and how he builds it out. But Les Miles kind of – you know, yanking around the Jacks Deneen a little bit. I don't think that's going to be well received within the state either. So we got to talk about the man, the new recruiting coordinator. He's not new, but it feels like he's new. Can you comment on how important Taylor Bratt has been over the last month or so? Well, they had a coach retire. They went a week and a half without a head coach. And then now they've had a head coach for, was it almost a week? Um, they haven't lost a commit, which is unheard of. Um, for comparison's sake, I think Texas Tech almost lost their entire class. <laughs> and yeah. that was even yeah. with hiring Matt Wells pretty quickly. Well, I think TB, they brought in some guys while we were without a coach. We're plus commitments during yeah, that plus, time. Yeah, plus, well, they were plus three without a head coach because they landed Logan Wilson, Khalil McClain, and there's there's another one. I, not coming to me. It'll come to me later. But, yeah, they're plus three right now. It's just unheard of. You would expect them to lose probably a couple and not gain any. It was flip-flopped, and that just tells you how meaningful he, Taylor Brad is to Kansas State and probably just how terrific of a recruiter he is, whereas you probably weren't able to recognize that before because it wasn't, you know, utilized properly. Yeah. I would say, you know, he does most of his stuff. At least it's been in the shadows until the last month or so. Would you say that he's probably the most important person in the athletic department that the average fan knows nothing about? Yeah, it'd be hard to argue. I, I, I don't know if they don't know anything about him. They probably will in the next year 
because I'm sure he'll be put on the map and uh, have a lot of uh, opportunities to succeed. I'm trying to think of other people in that athletic department that probably get overlooked too. There's a few, but Taylor Brad definitely is one of the first that comes to mind. Yeah, because not only football, he's helped out with men's basketball and women's basketball as well in the past. And the track team. And track team, man. I tell you what, the magic of the purple shoes tomorrow on signing day, I'm going to wear my own purple shoes just in honor of our guy, Taylor Bratt. Um, so what is, you know, one or two names that are still up in the air that K-State is really trying to win their signature during the early signing period? The first one that comes to mind is a four-star uh, defensive back, Gregory Brooks. He's actually committed to Mississippi State. But if you ask me, I think his leaders are two schools that aren't Mississippi State, so that's recruiting in a nutshell there. It's probably Kansas State or Arkansas. I'd lean towards Arkansas at this point, but that's probably the biggest prize left. I think they have I think they're going to land Jackson. I would be surprised if they did not. Tyron Lewis is another defensive back out of Louisiana. I would have them as the favorite. I think there's potential that he could wait until later, but there's also still potential for him to sign on the dotted line on Wednesday as well. And then they just offered Tulane commit uh, Ty J. Spears. He still plans on signing Wednesday. If he commits and signs with K-State, he'll do so. Kind of like Kevion McGee last year, he'll do it without visiting Manhattan once during his entire recruiting process. Aside from the Mississippi State commit, is there a name or two that K-State's working on flipping? I guess the Tulane yeah, commit. The Tulane, the Tulane, the Tulane, Tulane commit. The running back, and they need running backs in the worst way right now. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, and then <laughs> you know, if K State again, you know, new era, so who knows? I know uh, back in the Bill Snyder era, there was always one or two surprises that might have flipped that they're able to keep under the sheets. But uh, tomorrow should be an exciting day. Um, this is the last one before we take a little mini break, so we can give my bookie their contractual second shout out and me another beer because I'm sucking it down so quickly. Uh, how many guys are going to go? Or how many guys are going to go unsigned that are going to be worth really investing time in and energy during the late signing period? Or will Coach Kleiman kind of be better off like refocusing on this transfer market to fill the open spots that they still have on the roster? They're not my statistics, so I'm stealing it from somewhere, and I don't know where, so, so poo on me for that. But uh, I think last year numbers showed that only about 15% of uh, Power 5 signees signed in February. So what's left is pretty tempered in terms of you know qual or quantity. You could probably still grab some quality to an extent, but if you look at what K-State signed after December last year, I don't think a lot of them contributed right away or at all, and I think a few are not with the program anymore. Uh, Tequila Moore is one of those. I think Rashawn York, a junior college linebacker, is one of those. So they weren't really effective with who they did, uh, who they were able to sign in February. So I think the pickings are slim, and I think the quality is probably hit and miss. So you always want to take advantage of December as much as you can. In terms of what they will do, they're not going to have much of a choice that they're going to have to, you know, utilize February as much as they can, whether it be a high school prospect, junior college, or transfers. I know you mentioned transfers, and that's something just to kind of replenish the roster that they're going to have to, you know, be very active in, probably a little bit more than usual. They've already signed one that they'll add in January in the safety from New Mexico. So this wasn't on the sheet, but I, I do want to kind of throw this out there. Are there any transfer names who have already said, 
hey, we're going to transfer that you've heard K-State connected to? Or is that still, you know, super early as we still haven't even, you know, gone to Christmas yet? I think there's plenty that have said that they will transfer. That NCAA transfer portal's pretty heavy already in terms of, you know, the number of uh, Power 5 transfers. I haven't grasped any that are directly connected to K-State yet. That doesn't mean it hasn't happened. I just haven't uncovered it, although... My suspicions are that they have connected a little bit with the Ball State transfer running back, James Gilbert. That's what I like to hear. We really need that. Um, so that's going to wrap up part one. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, refill our beers. And, you know, before, you do, before we do that, though, guys, head over to mybookie.ag. Both of you, the people I'm looking at right now, go do hey, that. I'm and on our, there. And our listeners, um, use our promo code CAPITALBOYS25 to get a 50% deposit back. We'll be right back. And we're back. We and got, I can't we believe got that beers. picture of the uniforms. Oh, wait. We're, <laughs> we're back on. This isn't the Nike. Never mind. Part. All right. Um, so, hey, we're just going to jump right back into it. I got a, a really great question that Scott is dying to hear answered. So what's going on at Lawrence Free State that's, you know, resulted in them becoming a D1 factory, essentially? I mean, that's a hard question to answer. And I, I might not even be the one to answer it, to be perfectly honest. Well, and never mind. Be modest. Next question. <laughs> be modest. Just because, I, I mean, I was in the area from 2014 and 2015 and then returned last year. would have been August of 2017. So, Has For it the, really only been that long? Yeah. yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. So, I mean, four out of the last six years, kind of, I've been around. And for that time, they've been a uh, D1 producing factory. It's not really necessarily anything super new because when I arrived in 2014, Scott France was a big time recruit, and uh, and he you know you know spurned KU as well, just like most of them have. Uh, they did, which is so amazing. I they, love it. They got Bryce Tornadin, a pretty good defensive back from Free State, and he was a really good player for them this year. Probably someone that K State probably wishes they would have offered. I think. I don't know if he started as a preferred walk-on or a gray shirt for KU, but along those lines. But just the number of players that have come out of there, and it's not just like they've all been rated very well. Like everyone that comes out of there has a really good college career too. I don't know what to exactly point it to. The easy answer is great coaching. Bob Lisher is a legend, you know, as a, a high school football coach in the state of Kansas. He retired after this season. How old was he? I don't know off the top of my head. He's I mean, someone that's been around. Okay, so I, I was curious because I, I saw something on Twitter that the Free State coach was retiring. I was like, you know, like was he of at retirement age or is that something that caught, did catch you off guard? Caught me off guard because I hadn't heard anything about it beforehand. But it shouldn't shock anyone. It was probably you know standard retirement age for some, excuse me, someone in his field. But uh, you know he, he deserves a lot of credit. Have, have they named who the next head coach is? If they have, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. I was just curious. Um, we'll dive into this, and I have a sub-question I do want to ask, but it's along the lines of 2020. If you're putting together a hot board right now of K-State recruits in 2020, and for all I know, maybe you do have one, but who would be some of those names at the top of the list for the next recruiting class? Nationally, sorry, nationally, that's probably going to change a little bit because they're going to want to reshuffle the board with the new head coach 
to, you know, better fit his style, his scheme. Uh, and maybe, you know, he'll have different geographical, you know, preferences as well. There's been some, you know, rumblings that they don't want to recruit California, which that, that, that might anger some people uh, because they've gotten I can some. think of one specific guy <laughs> on your message board that might make <laughs> Yeah, that. Mr. Dials. Because uh, that, that's been an area that, in terms of the, at least the junior college talent that's come from there, it's been pretty effective for K-State. But in terms of a resource, you know, you know, effectiveness angle, I could see why maybe they pull back some a little bit from that state. Who was the main guy out in California on the previous staff? I don't know if they had one that they really okay. dedicated. Zach Hansen did Colmet last okay. year, uh, but they they really haven't landed high school prospects per se. So I know Blake Seiler was active in the JUCO market. <laughs> I hope everyone heard that over the. Uh, Chairs that are being moved across. Our mics are good. You, well, probably, good mics. you probably can't hear what we just heard, but I i mean, I just heard literally nothing that Derek just said. So uh, so, so we did kind of get away from it, but it does lead me into uh, <laughs> what the sub-question was going to be. So locally, uh, this might be one of the best, at least for me since I've been following recruiting, which honestly hasn't been as long that long. Um, but I feel like this is an amazing class for 2020 in Kansas, then even extended out into the Kansas City Metro. That does not include Lawrence. Don't let anyone tell you differently. Lawrence is not a part of the Kansas City Metro. But uh, who are some of the big names in the state of Kansas? And as someone who probably, you know, you make recruiting your livelihood, uh, is this a banner year for Kansas prep prospects? Certainly in, in my, well, I guess, four or five years of experience, I would agree. Um, the one with Christian Gaylord and Scott France and those guys, that was a pretty good one. A.J. Harris was also – they had three offensive linemen that were almost four-star prospects that year. I'm not remembering if there was anything much out of that, but those were three high-caliber players. Of course, Christian Gaylord hasn't done much in Lincoln. I'm not sure if he's still there, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. He, he played at Baldwin. Uh, and in terms of free state, I'll get back to that a little bit. We'll, we'll get into it a little there bit. Yeah, You probably – as a K-State fan, you should want them to be more aligned with Kansas City than Lawrence, though. So. No, that, that, that's 100% fine. <laughs> that's just spilling over from I just think that, you know, any city that considers itself its own metro shouldn't be a part of the Kansas City metro. But we'll, we'll, we'll move on from that. If, as long, you know, as long as the Free State kids keep coming to K-State, <laughs> I'm going to like it. So I think Corcoran is the big guy. I mean, he's currently a four-star, correct? Yeah, he's a top 50 player nationally now. He jumped up 50 spots in the last update. So he's number 46 player in the country. I don't know where he is in the offensive tackle rankings. He might be in the top five now nationally. So one would think you would put him at number one on the hot board, but Kai Thomas, the running back out of Topeka, is probably going to be perhaps more of a necessity because of what the running back group is, and that might be dictated by what they are able to do in this class, obviously. But those two shoot up in my 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 mind. Sorry, my mind, my oh. mind. Uh, Daniel Jackson. Is we like to have fun on the show. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> this is not only the number one K State sports podcast in all of the internet, but also the most fun and the most drunk podcast. Yeah, for so. sure. That the last part's definitely true. It's We've been legitimately like. I've been drunk twice on the, here. Yeah, the, the twice. Q&A, like well, legitimately, I've been I was like, waiting for I, it here like eighty no, percent. I've, been, <laughs> I've, been, like, I've legitimately been drunk like shit when yeah, I listen back. I'm the like, oh, the Q and A episode from a couple weeks, I had to Uber home, so that <laughs> I was pretty hungover. There's your sign. Yeah, there, there's your sign. We like to have fun on Bosca's boys, but uh, we do, do like to 
keep, keep it serious. So we, we talked about those guys, and isn't there another pretty good offensive tackle down in Poria that should be in purple? Yeah, we really liked him. We saw him in person, uh, us guys at KSO. We went to Manhattan High School, and Poria played there this past year. He was impressive, very athletic, not the physical specimen that Turner Corker is, obviously, and not the technician, which is probably the difference in ranking at this point, but someone that has a really – high ceiling of potential as well just because of how well he can move and he's nasty he plays pissed off so that'll be a nice it would be a nice thing to have on the offensive line he's probably the most likely to commit to k-state him and oh we're in kansas city olathe east defensive end nate matlack he's got an offer from kansas state those two very likely obviously they've offered daniel jackson wide receiver out of bishop miege i think he's really underrated i like him a lot his stock probably isn't as high as it should be because he missed a lot of last season with a with a knee injury, more of the ligament variety, and he's also probably not going to K-State. I'd imagine he ends up in South Bend with Notre Dame. And then Matthew uh, Roberts. Shocker. Parochial. Matthew Roberts, linebacker out of Aquinas. Everyone wanted him He's offered. ours. He's ours. Stay away, Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame will get will offer Matthew Roberts. Well, Missouri, I just found Missouri out, might. Uh, Stay away, uh, Missouri. Ruben? From Kansas City, somewhere committed to Park Hill South. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just found out that I've been working with his mom for the past like two years, and I had no idea. She's like my favorite coworker. If I would have known that, I could have been in. I'm, I, I could have maybe put my whispered in her ear a little bit. And unless you can recruit better than Brent Venables, I don't think it was going to work. That's true. Brent is a shark out there. Shout I'm out gonna, to Brent. You can come on the pod whenever you want. Brent, come on the pod. Honestly, I know you listen. You follow, We follow you. He doesn't follow he me. Literally, but he let me follow him. Despite being at Clemson, he still signs a Kansas City kid every year. Or a Kansas kid. Well, and every time he flies in, that starts like three weeks worth of uh, internet rumors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah even if it's, he's just coming to see, like last year he came to see Mario Goodrich at least oh. some at West. This year he came to see Ruben. And everyone's like, oh, he's in town. Well, nothing happening. I'm going to do a slight pivot here outside of recruiting. Um, it's a topic worth mentioning, though. What's the latest that you're hearing when it comes to um, filling out the coaching staff? You know, as of right now, there's not any official word on, on who's going to fill the, the 10 assistant spots. Have you heard anything? There's some rumblings. In terms of who's coming in, outside of speculation and, and a source, Good, a couple sources, good sources here and there, thinking this will happen. There's just not a lot of solid information right now. That I would say kudos to Chris Kleidman for keeping that pretty secretive because that's hard to do, and they have done that pretty well. In terms of strategically, I'm a little surprised that they have decided to play as close to the vest as they have. I think it might have been to their advantage or to their benefit to have that more cleared up by now. I won't rat. I won't bang on them for not. It hasn't hurt the recruiting whatsoever, but it would have been, you know, probably something nice. And you can speculate that, you know, Blake Seiler and Colin Klein are probably right. going to be in the fold. I don't think the head coach is going to bring two guys with him on home visits that he doesn't plan on having in the future. Yeah, we've we basically talked with the last pod, assuming that that was basically 100% done. That's always worked out well for us on this podcast, you know. Yeah, we are 100% <laughs> accurate in assuming everything. Assuming that things are done, that's worked out yeah, great for that us. has worked out very well for our podcast. <laughs> um, so outside of coaching and, uh, you know, you're speaking to, you know, K-State fans in general for this next question because we've been living in the dark ages when it comes to football staffs, you know, our entire lives. But – uh, Coach Kleiman mentioned this in his press conference, and some more in-the-weeds football fans have been asking for this when it comes to K-State football staff. But outside of the 10 
assistant coaches even qu- and even quality control guys. What type of support staff, analysts, recruiting folks, you know, what type of positions can you would you assume or hope that KSA is going to have for the first time in its, you know, entire existence in the next couple of years? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, typically, you'd probably see a balance maybe of analysts, offensive, defensive analysts, and then recruiting personnel. There's offensive, defensive analysts, obviously, that they could self-scout. They watch film of their own practices and can kind of pick out a few things here and there that aren't working or are working that they should maybe generate more attention to. Um, they can look at future opponents. They could be the ones breaking down film for the entire offseason so you know the coaches can actually go out and recruit themselves. And then outside of that, and then you have recruiting personnel that you know basically are the right arms and left arms of Taylor Bratt so that you have five Taylor Bratts, so you get a, a, a Taylor Bratt that's five times more productive, which seems pretty good for everybody involved. Uh, but listening to what Chris Kleiman had to say in his introductory press conference and even in the breakout session afterwards, and then hearing some things that Gene Taylor had to say uh, about his interview with Chris Kleiman and some of the things that he asked about Kansas State that he wanted, that he was hoping that would be uh, implemented as well. I would think the bulk of it will probably be geared towards recruiting. Even just that, you named out a lot of stuff that these folks could be doing that uh, currently the 10 assistant coaches and some quality control guys had to do. So I'm excited to see you know, the future of K-State Athletics and what that uh, full staff might look like. I mean, frankly, we've been – operating with one hand tied behind our back for too long i mean it's hand going to be and a foot i think right it's going to be interesting to see you know i think that climbing's going to bring new things that are good but just to be on like a normal operating level is going to be interesting to see how we can actually function because people are always talking about how no one can win in manhattan they're in its which is such an antiquated theory in my opinion but it's going to be interesting to see how we actually do operate as a program when we're actually just doing normal things that other programs do. In terms of resources, just kind of leveling the playing field a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think at least seven national titles in the next ten years. At Easy. least. Easily. I Easy. mean, if we uh, don't schedule Alabama very soon. We want I, Bama. I want Bama. Next year. I'm I mean, kidding. Not next year. <laughs> Not next you year. You might want to wait a couple of years. Five years from now. Um, I actually you I'm need gonna, a running back to beat Alabama. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm going to pull a quick audible because <laughs> it's not on here. I'm going to ask a question because all K-State fans are talking about it. It sounds like we are going to be getting some alternate uniforms at some point. We'll, we we're talking to a Nike guy, so we might have the inside track to figure out how quickly it could happen. Just in you know Derek Young's perfect world. As I'm wearing Adidas, hey, well, <laughs> we might always, have to edit that out. I always thought that was very weird. You guys have, like, all Adidas yes. gear for K-State Online, which is, you know, it's fine. Yeah, it's a rivals thing. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll, I'm we'll not anti-Adidas, but we're, I want K-State to stay Nike. Yeah, I do too. But so forget about that whole Adidas <laughs> try, right? Uh, in your perfect world, it sounds like the regular uniforms are going to stay, but there's going to be some alternates. If you were, you know, talking to Nike, if you were talking to K-State, what would you tell them, hey, you can add – three or four total things, what would you tell them to add? I'm not the biggest uniform guy. I think it's important, and I like the ones that I see. But in terms of a creative mind when it comes to it, I'm the last person you want to consult with. Well, too bad you're on the podcast, so but I, answer. But I do love the helmets that I've seen floating 
on uh, social media on Twitter. I think Stan, Stan, some Stan guide, Mike Stanley, is that? Mm, the Stanimal. Yeah, man, he, he put out some. Interesting. I like the helmets. <laughs> I like the helmets. I can't wait to have our Nike episode. <laughs> I just can't. But I'm not really going to, I don't know what that I like, means. I like exactly. the Angry Willie one. Yes, okay, we're back. We're back on board. Angry <laughs> and Willie, we're back. Angry Absolutely. Sailor Willie. Bring him back. And then I want a Block K helmet. Shout out to our guy, Will. Over at To The Ville, his winter wheat concept is perfect. Man, I love that. If that just had a little Nike on it, which obviously he can't do, that would look yeah. so good. He's trying I, not to get sued. Right. I'm I, not a fan of the KS Baseball logo, though. Oh, I love you. Yeah, I don't I don't really like that either. I hate that and logo. I don't, like, I don't like the script cats. I like okay, the, we're, we're, I am yeah, not on over. board with that. <laughs> I don't, I love, I don't love the script cats, but it, it looked okay. I think it was the white helmet with the purple lettering. It's kind of a throwback look. I don't mind. But I like that. I don't know if it was a white or a gray helmet with the angry Willie. It was really cool. And it sounds like they're not going to do anything with the black jerseys or black helmets related. Yeah. But that one black helmet with the gray chrome power crat was amazing. I did that like was that. Good. So, yeah, that's on my list to talk to Gene. Gene, I know you listen. Slide into my DMs. What do you have against all black uniforms? I thought that was a little weird. I don't love all black uniforms. I like that black helmet, though. I don't, I don't like when schools that have literally – Nothing to do with black. Like well, all black. Well, you can you can probably say that about us. I mean, because there was nothing black about K State until Bob Huggins resurrected yeah. K State's dead program. Probably true. That's. But, I, I don't. Well, I think they're going out of style. I mean, I think the. I think your your time has done it. I think your time to get an all black uniform is over. And I'm fine with no all black. I just thought it was interesting that uh, I think it was Denzel Goolsby who said in the breakout sessions, like, yeah, we heard Gene Taylor. Do-. Well, I think he said the AD. But, you know, I'm on a first-name basis with Gene. Uh, so I think it's interesting that he didn't like him. So I'll have to probably ask him about that. But we'll, we'll, we'll get back into the stuff we said we were going to talk about. I guess about. we're going to get back on track now. So, Derek, can you put it in a per, into perspective, the position that Chris Kleiman is walking into with this current roster? You know, like talent, numbers, class distribution, positions-wise. We obviously all know about how dire the running back is situation is you can touch on that if you'd like but just as a whole talk to us about it running back is bad (laughs) Uh, they don't have a scholarship running back right now that's not an exaggeration Uh, there I guess there's one in Mike McCoy and he's not healthy enough to play he may not play uh, on the, well, hey, maybe we're hope, maybe that Bosco's boys reverse jinx will work because we've essentially assumed that he's done for the rest of his career. so Sure sounded like that. I will say, if there's a glimmer of hope left, I would hope for it. Every K-State fan should hope for it because he is perfect for the offense that North Dakota State has been running. That downhill running attack, I think you saw Bruce Anderson do it in the semifinal. Imagine that being Mike McCoy. Well, above all, we want him to stay healthy and do what's best for him in the rest right. of his life. But I agree, that would be, that'd be scary for defenders. Outside of that, the rest of the roster, there, there's definitely work to be done. There was a lot of attrition via transfer in the last uh, you know, 18 months that they're going to have to rectify. The depth is concerning. The one advantage he's going to have, as long as there's not too much further attrition, is the fact that they didn't lose a lot of seniors. They haven't. So there's a lot of contributors returning. They're going to have to improve quite a bit, up to five and seven showing that they just had, and there's going to be a need for depth. And they just added a transfer that kind of helps with that, but that doesn't help until 2020 because he's a sit-out transfer. Grad transfers are probably necessary. 
So we're pretty far out from the 2019 season. Um, but what what can fans truly expect 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 from the first season of Chris Kleiman? You know, do you believe that he's going to succeed enough to keep fans in this little era of good feelings? It's going to be a challenge. Uh, he's not going to have the talent discrepancy that he had at North Dakota State, which was probably my top concern with him as a coach uh, for the for the entirety of him being a candidate. That doesn't mean he, I don't think he's going to succeed. He's already exceeded my expectations in terms of my off-season expectations on the recruiting trail were. What they've done is nothing short of spectacular to this point. But he's got a tall task in front of him and one that he's probably not faced before in his head coaching career. I know he hasn't faced it in his head coaching career. Is it something he can do? Certainly, but he's going to have to prove people wrong or at least prove to people that he can do it. I think the goal should be a bowl game. I think it, a bowl game is still a challenge at this point, but I think that should be the first goal. If you, Anything more than that, I think, is quite an accomplishment. I don't know what the feelings are here. No, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, uh, I've said on the boards, I've said on Twitter, I've said in group messages, if you put a gun to my head right now and said I have to pick the exact amount of wins next year or I die, I'm saying four wins. Yeah. And, I, and, I'm, and I've come full circle on Chris Kleiman. I think it legitimately will be until year three that we truly get a referendum on him as a coach at K-State. Yeah, I don't think six and six is, like, completely out of the realm of possibility, but I expect – Four, probably four or five wins. I mean, we don't have a running back. <laughs> we well, we literally don't have a running you back. You can't afford a, an injury at any position right. except for wide receiver without seeing a massive drop-off. And the only reason you can see a injury at wide receiver is because I personally believe, outside of Zuber, who we are Isaiah Zuber's biggest fans probably on this podcast, <laughs> there isn't a guy on there that's like he's a next-level or even an elite-level talent anywhere else on the field offensive line linebacker Malik Knowles oh well that's true that's, that's true he's a wild and then, card and then he's got a lot of talent back so or not coming back but he's going to start playing be eligible yeah yeah but you know even look in the secondary look at some of the linebackers you get any season ending injury there Poof. woof um so that, that's where I'm at frankly you know? I don't care about win totals next year just keep just keep the videos coming, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Those are fun. Do that and then even rock the uh, white camo a couple times and you'll, you'll keep everyone happy. So um, we're going to touch on a couple non-football things. We're going to transition a little bit. Um, I know Bruce Weber had a press conference today. He touched on it a little bit. But what whispers have you been hearing or what has been confirmed about Dean Wade's injury and what is the timetable, uh, if any, that Dean Wade will get back onto the court? Yeah, I missed – the press conference obviously so i could be here with you guys and stay in the, the lovely <laughs> so, lovely area of kansas city so we're more important than bruce weber is what you're of saying of course why not uh i know bruce weber offered some details i don't know what those exact ones are but uh we have we torn have legumen, i think in this um, book. tendons expecting him to be out likely eight weeks or so Ooh. possibly six to eight weeks that's torn a lot. tendon i think in his foot um and it's shout, the opposite. shout out to whoever on our board post that I think yesterday they yeah. knew something somebody knows something <laughs> uh that's that's troublesome obviously that's going to get into big 12 play i'm of the belief that maybe in the immediate future that it could be a good a blessing for k-state because dean ewing was, theory <laughs> dean wade yeah. wasn't playing the best uh, his mindset hasn't been 
what you had hoped it would be at this point. He's not been playing like the Big 12 player of the year, we'll put it that way. Um, and probably not a first-team player, to be quite honest. Uh, Cam Stokes, it sounds like we're expecting him to play this weekend, Wednesday up in the air. Or are we thinking he'll play when Southern Miss on Wednesday, I think? I, I, I thought it was just Saturday that just he was Saturday probably playing. I'm not sure play? about Wednesday. I hope they don't need him Wednesday, but maybe limited. Hey, throw throw out the record books when Doc Sadler comes to the Octagon of Doom. Anything can happen. And you need 30-point games for Cam yourself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> As Cam's, uh, you know, at least top five biggest fan on Casey Online's message board, I need him to have a big night on Saturday. So I don't, I don't know if you did this on your pod or if you guys did this on the site, but what was your prediction on the season before it started, hoops-wise, and uh, what are you predicting for the remainder of the season? Yeah, we, we did that. I, I, I don't know. I saw this question, and I meant to look up what my prediction was. <laughs> of course, I didn't do it. But I think it was – I didn't 20, read this outline at all, so <laughs> don't worry about it. I think it was 23-7 and seven overall if the numbers check out. I think it's what I had it. And 12-6 and – in the Big 12, their lone non-league loss I had was to Vanderbilt. I had them beating Marquette pretty handily in Milwaukee, so I am, you know, who you should be listening to at this point. Uh, 12 and 6 actually looks kind of challenging now, which is disappointing because of the expectations headed into the season. They're not ranked anymore, so that tells you kind of where it has gone. It's not over. They could bounce back. They played some of their best basketball without Dean Wade last year, but they also played some of their best basketball with him. I don't think that they can survive without him for two months, and it sounds like they're going to have to, so I would alter those expectations dramatically. Uh, final, you know, you know, recruiting or any sort of sport question, we have a wrap-up that Grant will ask, but uh, can you give us any sort of update on, you know, the recruiting efforts of the basketball team? You know, all of us K-State fans are foaming at the mouth at the idea of the football team really pounding the pavement, but, you know, Bruce, is, Bruce and Co., they're, they're always recruiting. So can you give us any update? Uh, what, what's been going on the hardwood recruiting? Not a whole lot. I think they'll start having visitors um, for games in the next month or two. It'll kind of be of a, you know, crucial points in the, the recruiting calendar for them in terms of doing that. They've sent out a few – I don't have the exact names, of course, but they've sent out a few new offers in the 2020 class for the, you know, the last two or three weeks. I think there's been four or five of those. They're probably going to start to shrink that recruiting board up a little bit and find who they want to be their primary targets. I think we're in the kind of the in-between phase in terms of recruiting for K-State. Uh, there are not, you know, no official visits are you know, being planned at this point. So, like I said, the in-between stage. I mean, they just signed so four guys? Yeah. Signed four guys. So the in-between stages, and, uh, I mean, they're going to start hitting 2020 pretty hard. I think they have three spots currently available. Yep, it would be three if everything holds true. Well, yeah, yeah, three. You're right. Yeah, at least I think so. I said it with confidence. So I found out that if you say anything with confidence in this world, you know, you can get past 85% of the people out there. <laughs> That's true. Well, Derek, thanks for coming on. Uh, sincerely, we've been pimping you guys out over at KSO for as long as this podcast has existed. and We've been doing it for good reason. We like you guys. You're Really, really good at what you do. Um, what can the folks over at KSO expect from you guys for the remainder of the calendar year and for the remainder of winter? Well, in case this publishes tonight, defensive back Tyron Lewis of Louisiana did, in fact, just confirm that he will be signing on Wednesday. Woo-hoo. So that could be another K-State edition. Uh, I would 
think that they, they're going to be the ones to land him. But in terms of what we got going on, I mean, our signing day coverage should be, you know, second to none at this point. And, uh, and we'll, we'll continue to probably hit on a bunch of signing day, different kinds of stories, you know, the rest of the week and, you know, be quite the theme throughout the rest of this week. And we'll get some thoughts from Chris Klein with the press conference on Wednesday as well, be able to share those. And we'll be – try to break some more news on this coaching staff. I say more news because there hasn't been necessarily any right now. Uh, you check our site, you'll know who's not coming back. Um, exactly. Everyone go out there and uh, log on and see who is confirmed not coming on the staff. Yeah, we have, we have some of that. And, well, Matt and Grant, they'll, they'll kill it with basketball coverage the rest of the way, and I'll help out here and there on that stuff. Good All deal. Right. Well, um, we'll see you guys this weekend, hopefully, Saturday. For the Vandy game, we're going to be at Johnny's Tavern starting at like 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Derek's going to be there. Uh, Derek told is us, going to be there. He told us he's going to be there. Confirmed. He's going to sign autographs. Matt Hall will be there from KSO as well. Bring the Sharpie. Take, yeah, bring the Sharpie. I heard Matt Hall is going to be posing for pictures with anyone who asks him to. With his shirt off, with maybe. It, yeah, he's going to be shirtless. Couldn't, I couldn't confirm that, but. I can confirm. Okay. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Speaking for him. So the rest of the year for us looks like this. Um, we're going to have a full questionnaire episode, and then we're going to take a little break and wait for the new year to come back around, and we'll have our Nike show. Is that yeah. right? Nike show is going to be our first show back, and uh, I'm going to tease this because uh, thanks to some different circumstances, it's still up in the air, but we might have some massive <laughs> interview episodes coming up to you guys in the new year. Uh, just as long as uh, we can behave ourselves on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Well, Love hey, you guys, guys. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you all at Johnny's. Derek, do you have anything you want to plug? Tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> Meet me at the Cathead.
Podcast Network.